Hello and welcome to Unfolding Sound, the music podcast that explores the landscape of the sounds that move us. This is Will System. This is Doug Leach. We have a pretty exciting episode for everybody. Today is August the 17th, Wednesday, 2022. And today is our metal episode. Today we're going to be talking about a couple of metal selections that we've selected here for this show. How have you been so far, man? And it's been a... About a week or so since we last talked. Anything new going on in your world? It's been pretty quiet. It's the last week of summer for the kids, so school starts up next week. Trying to get everything ready, managing anxieties and whatnot. Yeah, just regular family stuff going on. That's all. Back to school craze, all the shopping. Yeah. That's insane. Uh, Nothing exciting going on in my world for the exception that I got myself a new part-time job. Very cool. I'm pretty stoked about that. That's pretty cool. You know, we are not starving artists, you know, in case folks are wondering out there, we do have day jobs out there. Uh, (laughs) You know, we haven't quite made it big yet. So until then, you know. Rolling around all that podcast money. Exactly. Exactly. We don't, we, we don't have that podcast money quite yet there. So we do work other jobs to support ourselves. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. I got myself a a nice little job, a little part-timer. So that's pretty cool. Uh, going into the fall, that's going to be something nice to have handy. So pretty stoked about that. It helps, yeah. But yeah, but other than that, nothing new and exciting. So I say that we just go ahead and jump into our podcast selections here. Today is our metal episode. So first off, uh, I'm going to go ahead and let my colleague Doug introduce this next selection. Go ahead and take it away, Doug. All right. So our first pick is Greg Pusciato, his new album, Mirror Cell. This album is metal adjacent. I wasn't a fan of the Dillinger Escape Plan, which was the the band he got known for. I actually didn't fall into his camp until his second band, The Black Queen, put out their second album. So I was pretty late to the party for this guy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, But I really, really liked Black Queen's first album, Fever Daydream. I think that album is great. Then he put out his first solo album under his own name, Child Soldier, Creator of God. It took me a few tries to get into that one, mainly because the first few tracks on there are some solid, like heavy noise, metal, somewhat grating type stuff. And then it eventually gets into some stuff that sounds like the Black Queen and things like that. This album feels like an even bigger departure from all of that. He's switching up genres a little bit again. I understand that this is his sophomore album right now. Yeah, uh, for, for under his own name, yeah. So... In between albums, uh, between uh, this one and uh, Child Soldier, he recorded an album with Jerry Cantrell of Alice in Chains, as well as did an entire tour with him where the only thing he was doing was backup vocals. On the, on the tour, about half of the songs were Alice in Chains songs that he was singing Lane Staley's part for. And I think that really shows shows up in this album, at least there in the first half. There is a half. strong influence. You can tell that he had a lot of exposure to Cantrell and Alice in Chains. Absolutely. There are huge nods uh, in this album to to Cantrell, and, and it definitely shines through in a lot of the music that he does here. Yeah. Once I realized that and kind of heard it through that lens, the album began to make a lot more sense to me. The album starts off with the short instrumental, In This Hell You Will Find Yourself, and then goes into song Reality Spiral. And then really right off the bat, you get some nice, like, heavy Alice in Chains vibes. heavy riffs it's 
got some melody, but it's kind of off, very much like Alice in Chains was doing, and it it just feels grunge. It's just got a lot of really, really nice, nice elements of post-metal, a lot of the 90s alternative rock feel. Yes. uh, With some splashes of synth pop, it's got some sludge, it's got some doom. Well, it's, it's... Pretty solid heavy rock there that that they got going on. And really the first few tracks, you got Reality Spiral, No More Lives to Go. Never wanted that. That all sound like they were written hanging out with Jerry Cantrell. They all have that vibe to them. And it really doesn't change up until you get to the single off of the album, Lowered. Which it really is like the, the, the standout track from the album where he was paired up with Rebecca Myers from Code Orange. Right. Who I have to admit, I didn't know Code Orange had a female singer. But I, I guess that's because I haven't listened to enough of them. <laughs> I had to go <laughs> digging around like, wait a minute, did she sing in this? And finally found a track. So I'm sure there's more. I really like the vocal ranges that, that he went with on this one. Uh, no More Lives to Go, for example. It reminds me of Alice in Chains. Oh, absolutely. But the vocals are kind of reminiscent of Ozzy Osbourne almost to a certain extent. Yeah, he has an amazing voice that sometimes is nasally and sometimes it's just a good singing voice and sometimes right. is just shrieking his head off, which is what he's kind of known for from Dillinger Escape Plan. But yeah, he has a fantastic voice uh, and, and can be used for a bunch of different genres in which he fits seamlessly. I ended up becoming a big fan of this guy. The track before uh, Lord uh, never wanted that. More, more Jerry Cantrell than Alice in Chains because it's not that heavy, but it has this nice like walking pace to it. It was a slower it, jam, correct, it, it, the breakup song. It, it's got this nice groove to the whole thing. good listen lowered is a fantastic track that ends up being a little more post-punk i would say It, it does switch up genres. Uh, the guitar is a little different, maybe a little bit more Smiths. And then finally get into the electronic stuff where he gets to Wii. He does a complete shift of gears there. It goes into minimal synth. Yeah. This one was definitely more danceable. He starts shifting gears from lowered uh, forward, you know, into more indie kind of feel with stuff. And in We He Does Minimal Synth, it's a lot more danceable. It's a love song. Again, this album offering you a lot more variety as far as that goes. Oh, absolutely. And and that's territory that's not new for him. You know, he's explored that kind of work before. He's done collaborations as well with Carpenter Brute. Right, yeah, well. he, he, he was on probably the best song on that album. Exactly. And exactly. he was a big reason why that song was as good as it was because his voice fits so well into it. This seems to fit a little bit more with his Black Queen stuff where it's more subdued, melancholy, synth-driven. 
Yeah, it's it's like it's like he's he's exploring he's exploring that minimal synth, that retro wave type of feel again. Then a little further into the album, uh, you got Rainbow Underground. It's either my favorite track or my second favorite track, right behind Lowered. I'm not sure yet. But I went on a bit of a, a journey with this song because the guitar in this really reminded me of something I was having a hard time putting my finger on. And it felt vaguely like 80s rock, but I couldn't place it. And then it was like, well, maybe Def Leppard, but not Hysteria or anything past that. It'd have to be before that. Bring It On The Heartache by Def Leppard. <laughs> yeah, the screaming vocals are pretty fierce on that one. A huge sense of longing and desperation in there. Rainbows yeah. Underground was pretty cool. Yes. Then you get to the big ending for this. All waves to nothing. Now, that to me was the most chaotic track on the album. Absolutely. It's, it's like journey. the instruments are fighting against each other and among themselves. It sounds like a bunch of disassociation. It's nine minutes long. Yeah. And it starts <laughs> off harsh and depressing. The whole thing is self-deprecating. And yeah, it's dissident. It refuses to find a melody until it finally breaks. And then it goes into this, like, almost a different song. It gets a little prog rock in it that sort of way. Little, it does. It goes into a little evolution and eventually goes into a dramatic emotional ending with a quicker tempo. You know, it was just... Yeah. Overall, the album was pretty cool. I really loved where he would go with vocals here. Again, Ozzy, Cantrell. I heard Deftones in there as well with a lot of the vocal approaches. Uh, especially with Eclipse, yeah. That was a very Deftones type track. pretty awesome album. Yeah, I'm glad we got a chance to dig back into it because I may have skipped over this one without really taking the dive into it, but now that I have, I appreciate the album a lot more. Lyrically, it was definitely more on the subjective side. There's not an objective message there that he's going for or anything he's trying to express and and no more lives to go. He seems to talk about being aggressive and taking control of your life. So that was definitely something where he does seem to try to make a point there. Yeah, apparently for the track Lord that he, he wrote with, uh, or Reba Myers, they, they wrote that song together lyrically and apparently they just knocked it out in a few hours. They had the, the song kind of laid out, but not the vocals or the lyrics. So two of them got together and knocked it out in a couple hours and they had their song. <laughs> no, I thought it was pretty good album it, it makes me appreciate like what he continues to do as an artist and i will continue to be a fan awesome awesome uh well uh, moving on into our next selection uh this time around we've got the band troglodyte and their new album the hierarchical ecological succession welcome to the food chain but yeah 
And these guys are a local band to us. At least lead singers from uh, Independence, Missouri. I assume that that's where a lot of their um, inspiration that's <laughs> meth-inspired comes from. So, yeah, the, the band has to be explained a little bit. So the name of the band is Troglodyte. They are a Bigfoot-themed horror death metal band. And it's really kind of a side project of other things. Uh, not so much the lead singer. It sounds like the lead singer, this is his main thing. But it's got a couple of guys from the other local band, Torn the Fuck Apart, as well as a guy from Origin, who is actually a fairly popular technical speed metal death metal band. Like right. they're, they're all over the place. And this is kind of their comedy side project where they've played with Guar and stuff like that. And it seems to fit yeah, it's, it's pretty much Bigfoot and the two faces of Bigfoot, which are Bigfoot on meth <laughs> and Bigfoot being a murderous, carnivorous beast. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there, there's a lot of humor in, in this particular album. Uh, from what I've read, less so on some of their al- other albums. And this is their fifth studio album, by the way. And they're all in the theme of Bigfoot in some ways. But a lot of their humor is more the intellectual level almost Douglas Adams vibes as like how some of it was written. Then as you put, uh, sometimes the jokes are in the lyrics, like Bigfoot is real and he's addicted to the meth in my basement. I I like the emphasis on the meth. Yeah, these guys have pretty much uh, created a genre of their own, caveman death metal. Yeah, and it's surprisingly easy to listen to for death metal, Uh, especially if you go listen to some of the other bands like Origin or uh, Torn the Fuck Apart. Troglodyte's the easier of all of those to listen to. (laughs) But it is... It is just pure death metal. It's not a subgenre. I mean, other than the theme of uh, of what they're singing about musically, it's just death metal. It's not speed metal. It's not melodic death metal. It's not technical death metal. It's just death metal. <laughs> Good old-fashioned death metal, straightforward. They start off with what's eating you, aggressive. Salting to start off the album, uh, lightning fast tempo, jumping into speed kills, which I thought was hilarious. They found a beast, (laughs) they hit it, now they're going to get rich off the carcass. But uh, then the thing comes alive and drives off with their car. It's like it steals their station wagon and says, slow down, you jerk, speed kills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pretty much a mindless, brutal aggression and comedy through and through in this album. I thought it was pretty fun. That yeah. It was awesome. They, they even have a song that's, and I'm going to butcher this because it's Russian, but they, they have a song that's a reference to the Datalov Pass incident. Okay. Uh, so... I was wondering about that. Okay, so there's some context there. Uh, I, I had to Dayglops, look it up. It, that one's a slow jam, uh, and it talked about a camp of nine got fucked up. So Odenotvet, that means one answer in Russian from what I googled. I looked up some of this in Russian. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I got one answer and like there was another word that was no answer. So 
For some context about the song, it's actually about a real-life incident that happened uh, in, in Russia. But some of the words in the title as well as some of the lyrics are actually in Russian and require quite a bit of context to translate, right? Because depending on how you do it, you get different answers out of Google Translate. But it was an incident in 1959 where nine experienced Russian hikers uh, were camped at a mountain pass and all of them were found dead. They had ripped their way out of their own tents, not unzipped, but actually like cut or ripped their way out. Six of them died of hypothermia, uh, having left the campsite without proper clothing. Three of them died from physical trauma to head and or chest. Uh, one of them had missing eyes. Others had missing tongues. And some of them were slightly radioactive, although nothing I've read actually said to what extent they were. So that may not actually be a thing, except that it sounds cool in X-File circles. But yeah, this was a real thing that happened and it became you know, a story to make bad sci-fi movies out of, which they did. Wow. <laughs> So, of course, the answer was, it was Bigfoot. Of course it would find a home in an album like this. <laughs> Surprisingly enough, the lyrics of the song, uh, which I don't have in front of me, but they, they go through a lot of this. They don't point out the year or anything like that, but like nine hikers and they rip their way out of the tent. and all, like it, it goes into a lot of detail about what happened. Yeah, it was a pretty gory song. Uh, lyrically, it's a very gory album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Less so than Torn the Fuck Apart. That that stuff was just horror for the sake of horror. But at least this one had some comedy in it, so I will take that. <laughs> had some more chaotic songs. Slow, fast metal kind of goes all over the place. And then it goes into Sasquatched. <laughs> Yeah, you, you do have to just love these song titles. <laughs> yeah, but that is just deadly and monstrous swinging rhythms to the very end. Uh, just aggressive music all the way to the very end. Meet Your Maker. M-E-A-T, Meet Your Maker. Anyway. <laughs> and they wrap it up with Trampled Under Bigfoot, Assault by Cleft Foot Formation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, overall, the songs aren't super deep. They're the joke. It, musically, it, like I said, it's very pure. Vocally, it kind of sounds like Death Clock. Same vocal style and delivery and cadence and all that stuff as, you know, as, as they do in Death Clock. But musically, it's, it is heavy. It is brutal. Yeah. <laughs> Meet Your Maker, that does have a message in there. They do talk about the destruction of humanity, how man is a cancer. disorder yeah they, they seem to have a bit in common with cattle decapitation right who we covered a, a few episodes back <laughs> there's that feeling of purging and cleansing so each each song is outright chaotic metal tempo changes are very menacing again showing the two faces of bigfoot the meth head and the raging monster <laughs> so there's enough variation between tempo style and execution here nothing is the same it's constantly morphing and evolving 
I thought it was a very exciting album. Yeah, uh, it was a fun listen. Like I said, it's not super deep, but the uh, the long song titles and having the jokes inside of the album, it's the kind of thing that works for me. And like I said, it reminds me of Douglas Adams, who is one of my favorite writers for that reason. Or I should say Douglas Adams influenced the way I process jokes like that. So it right. works for me. <laughs> right. Which is a definitely, uh, I, I think, a good way to introduce the next album, uh, which is another album that also, I would say, doesn't take itself too seriously. No, it does not. So yeah, the next album is Dream Widow. It's a subtitled album, which is David Grohl's like death metal project. For a while, I kept thinking this was a Foo Fighters side project, but it's not. Uh, in the credits... It is David Grohl on almost everything. He does occasionally bring in an extra guitarist or keyboardist, but Dave Grohl does the vocals, he does the guitar, he does the drums, he does the bass, he occasionally does keyboards. Like, yeah. th- this is his thing. Dream Widow was something else for a metal album. I was like, what the fuck? Did David Grohl <laughs> just do this? <laughs> it gets the best elements of doom, death metal, some elements of old school thrash, grunge punk and overall just a lot of the elements of, of metal black metal and uh heavy metal and just kind of brings it together into just one big gigantic mindfuck if, if if that's what you want to call it so dream widow was was exciting it was described as a fictional project a fictional band well the way i thought it was was this album came out right around the same time as the Foo Fighters movie Studio 666 which was about being possessed by a demon and making a satanic album and then suddenly this came out which is a satanic death metal slash black metal album so it seemed to fit together but they don't seem to be actually connected by anything other than maybe inspiration definitely an interesting twist here uh, it starts off with Encino lyrically it's just ridiculous and absurd take yes. the fucking dagger draw the pentagram Fucking stick it in the fire. <laughs> and this is probably the hardest, fastest song on the entire album, but it's only a minute and a half long. But yeah, it goes for it. Yeah, perfect intro track. It's almost ridiculous and comical. The guitars were super spacey. Then getting into Cold, which is a little slower and dirtier, a little more haunting. It's a song about death and surrendering. So definitely keeping it metal as far as the topics that are in the songs. It is. And it was after repeated listens that I started to notice like the album is heavy, maybe not as heavy as it first you, you first get. Because, yeah, it starts off hard and there's a lot of like metal throughout the whole thing. But even starting as early as Cold, it sounds like David Grohl singing. Not, you know, he's, he's not doing death metal vocals or anything like that. He, he does some like lower pitch stuff or whatever but once he hits that chorus and whatnot it's him but it's really good yeah (laughs) which is so surprising does a little punk metal with march of the insane yeah it sounds like some old slayer or metallica or motorhead you know take your pick of the 80s you know thrash metal stuff Thank you. 
It's got that really cool tempo shift in the chorus, really dirty lyrics. Yeah, it's probably the funnest track off the album because it rides that line between almost unlistenable like Encino and yeah, uh, ha- having a good hook that you can kind of latch onto as the, the song pulls you along. Yeah, it, it, it's one of the funnest songs on the album. They, in some of these, they, they mean to sound ridiculous and absurd. Like, oh, absolutely. Come All Ye Unfaithful, for example. I think they got some serious nods to Metallica on this one. almost kind of did it on purpose all the way down to the way that he says like yeah and talks you know it's, it's got true. that accent in there i thought it was kind of cringe <laughs> well but it but it but it fit the shtick which uh, which i i just thought it was hilarious <laughs> other than like the lyrical content it wouldn't have took much for this song to just be a foo fighter song this was my takeaway from it. it it's still still fairly heavy and whatnot but that's just a matter of guitar tone and distortion angel with severed wings was also very fun it really works those fast beats and the riffs More on the old school metal feel. Kind of reminded me of Iron Maiden a bit. A bit, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's got a a galloping guitar line, which is very much what Iron Maiden does. So yeah, I I got the same vibe off of it. You've got Dave Grohl just singing on the chorus, but then you also have these backing screaming vocals that are layered on top of each other and it works really well. He can put together some really good songs, even if it's kind of cheesy. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I thought it was really, really awesome. And then uh, they really decide to go ahead and Flex their musical muscles with Lacrimus de Ebrius, the instrumental track to wrap it up. That one goes in various different directions with a lot of aggressive buildups. I didn't care for it as much. It was like a worse version of the last song off of the uh, Mirror Cell, where that one was long and kind of went places also, but it felt like it was someplace logical. This really, to me, just felt like it was kind of all over the place. Yeah, the last track didn't land for me. I thought the track with the most personality was Becoming for me. Uh, it's kind of dark and ominous ambience with a dark demonic murmuring in the background, and then it breaks into a demonic roar, breaks into a droning hypnotic march, and then uh, a swinging heavy beat. Yeah, I I noticed toward the end of the album, there were some weird long pauses on it. You'd have a good like 45 seconds of like real not a lot of music going on. Mm -hmm. And it kind of felt like the album was over at places and then it suddenly picked back up. And it did give the the album this weird flow to me where, you know, the first half just went, went, went. And it was song after song and they're all good and catchy and stuff like that. Right. And then it starts slowing way down and you get these big gaps in there. And it felt like it was trying to do something different, but I never quite got it. It started to fall apart at the end for me a little bit 
Do you know if he's going to put out more stuff like this? I have no idea, but I think the reception's been pretty good. I think it was one of those deals where everybody thought, oh, this is going to be a joke album. And it kind of is, but it's also hard to deny like how good most of it actually is. One of those songs we, we did kind of skip over, like uh, The Sweet Abyss. It's got some thrash metal stuff, but once it gets to the chorus on there, it sounds like a ghost track. But like those guys are super popular, and he's like, yeah, I can do this too. Abyss was nice. That was a much faster beat on this one. It's got a synthesized echo on the vocals that sounded really good. Yeah. The chorus sounded so smooth and melodic. The only issue I could see with him doing more of this is the focus of the album is so kind of pinpoint on that. We're going to make like a real simple, sort of cheesy, 80s style, satanic, in quotation marks, album. You can only do that so many times. Like musically, you can write more, but lyrically... I think you can only pull that off a few times before it starts repeating itself and, and not being fun anymore. So if he did more with it, I think he'd have to change it up at least lyrically a little bit. I don't think that'd be hard to do. There's tons add, of stuff to pull from, but... Or maybe add different elements or explore different elements of metal. Maybe some Norwegian, some speed metal. Yeah, it's true. You, you can explore different uh, avenues of non-Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> so Norwegian black metal would be a good place to go. But yeah, uh, for me, the, the, the first half of this album is great. And it's not a long album. I mean, the, the whole album, or I guess it's an EP, is only 42 minutes long. But the, the last two tracks take up like almost 18 minutes of that. <laughs> and some of it's silence and some of it's just kind of building. And some of it is that last track where it's changing genres and whatnot. So yeah, it, it's short. And I think half of it is really, really good. And the other half is him trying to do something that I just, I didn't get. Definitely surprised a lot of critics on this one. Uh, the album is definitely good as far as, a, it carries its own weight as far as metal albums are concerned. So. I, yes, absolutely. If you're a metalhead out there and you're thinking about passing this up because it's David Grohl and there's a joke to it and all that stuff, do yourself a favor and at least give it a listen. It's solid. That's good. That's awesome. That's awesome. So... Those are all the selections that uh, we've got for today. Uh, Doug, which one would you say was uh, the favorite one for you? Which one stood out for you the most? The one I'm probably going to go back to the most is going to be Mirror Cell. Uh, I think there's a lot of substance in that album. I've grown to really appreciate it. Probably followed somewhat closely by uh, Dream Widow. There's a few songs on there that really are earworms. You just get them stuck in your head and it's like, I need to listen to that song again. Sweet Abyss, for example, definitely being one of them. Yes. For me, it's between Troglodyte and Dream Widow, you know, because I just really get off on the comical absurdity of, of metal and music, and that kind of stuff just does it for me. Yeah. Though I did say that, I would say that I was very pleasantly surprised by Dream Widow. That was, that was a lot of fun. You know, I was not expecting that, and that was an interesting journey. It was just really pleasant to see what, what Dave Grohl can do. I hope he continues to expand on that. It'll be interesting to see what Dave Grohl works on next. Uh, he wrote this album before the passing of his drummer, Taylor Hawkins. He's getting back into doing some shows with other things, not necessarily as the Foo Fighters and whatnot. So, yeah, we, we still need to see what Dave Grohl's going to do after all of that. Okay, well, this was definitely <laughs> a good uh, deep dive into the world of metal. That's all that we have for today, folks. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and for being with us in this edition of Unfolding Sound. Signing off, this is Will System. And this is Doug Leach. We will see you soon. Bye.